From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. The need for more affordable housing in Minnesota is well documented. According to the Minnesota Housing Finance Agency, Minnesota needs to add 300,000 more homes statewide by 2030, including at least 2,500 for those earning $30,000 or less. Unsheltered homelessness has increased 125% since 2015, and about 8,000 Minnesotans experience homelessness each night, the agency says. The COVID-19 pandemic underscores those needs. Put another way, the health crisis has forced Minnesotans to stay at home or, quote, shelter in place. But what about those who don't have a home or are forced to live in an overcrowded shelter? In the following interview, Minnesota Housing Finance Agency Commissioner Jennifer Ho addresses that and other questions in the context of the agency's state bonding request, which includes $200 million in housing infrastructure bonds and $60 million in public housing improvements. She also offers her take on the outlook for a robust bonding bill in 2020. Well, thank you for joining me, Commissioner. Um, really appreciate uh, having the opportunity to, to chat with you about your uh, this very important uh, bonding request. And um, I appreciate you reaching out and covering the issue. Thanks so much. Yeah, for sure. And I guess I'd just start out by saying, of course, as everybody knows, this uh, pandemic has been top of mind for everyone in recent weeks, and with good reason, because it's a very serious public health crisis that we're facing. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, just because we have maybe other priorities now, that doesn't mean that other other needs magically go away. And so I know affordable housing in particular is one of those needs um, that has been very well documented. So um, I was just curious about what's your take on that and, and how would you, I, I guess, put put these needs for affordable housing in the context of what we're dealing with now with the whole COVID-19 crisis? Um, well, you know, I think uh, for me, uh, being under the governor's stay-at-home order, it has really highlighted more than anything that uh, we don't all have homes. We don't all have um, housing arrangements that are stable and secure. With so many people out of work and it disproportionately impacting um, people who had you know, lower-wage jobs, the, the importance of having a home and a home that you can afford, just it's it to me. I'm just staring at it, you know, every minute of every day, thinking about the unique uh, risk that people who are experiencing homelessness are facing with this um, virus because it, it, it's hard to do social distancing in a in a shelter. Mm-hmm. or do good hygiene, you know, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, and we think about all the people that are um, 
living outside. Mm. Um, it just really highlights to me more than, you know, as much as ever, uh, if not more than ever, uh, the need to get more housing and more housing that's affordable to folks who make the lease. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, can you touch a little bit on that need? I mean, just going over some of the highlights. I know that, that Minnesota Housing has raised in the past the need to build uh, 300,000 homes statewide, I believe, by, by 2030. Um, what, uh, especially for those who are um, low-income earners, um, what, what can you t- talk a little bit about some of that need? Well, one of the things that's just, you know, <laughs> I guess you could say a pandemic is always inconvenient, but we were just starting to get production, you know, up to the level that we would need to see sustained. And, you know, we don't yet know what the coronavirus is going to do to um, the pace of construction. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be positive. And, um, you know, but the other thing that, that you mentioned in your, you know, in the question is that what we're building doesn't match to people's incomes. Mm. And so, you know, there's been a lot of high-end rental, um, uh, but that, that just doesn't work for folks that are on the, the, the low end of the pay scale. And so having infrastructure bonds um, are really are our best tool uh, it's our most flexible tool, but it's also the tool that allows us to, um, you know, kind of close that gap between what it costs to build something and how do we keep incomes low, or keep rents low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we don't keep right, right. How do we keep how do we keep rents low? And and so it's that gap financing that can really help, whether it's in a preservation deal or a new construction deal. Yeah, and I and I believe uh, the governor in his bonding recommend, recommendation was proposing or is proposing something like 200 million for housing infrastructure bonds, and um, if I'm not mistaken, and um, how, how does that compare with with your request and and what I guess ideally um, you would need in a in an ideal world. Well, you know, when you when you serve at the pleasure of the governor, the governor's request and your request are exactly the same thing every day. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that what's been interesting in the conversation here is that the governor went big with that request. It's the largest yeah. housing infrastructure bond, and then combined with the largest publicly operated uh, housing preservation bond, two hundred and sixty million. Those two two together, mm-hmm. and um, and then you know I think the advocates took their cue from the governor going big. Mm-hmm. And the advocates, you know, went bigger. And there's there's bills in the House and the um, and in the Senate that that I think go up to 500 million. Mm. Um, you, you know, I think that uh, we're we're in the middle of a conversation, you know, right now about what's the impact on the dramatic change in budget forecast on the bonding bill. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I don't think that I'm 100% confident where we're going to come come down that even when the advocates came out at, at 500 million pre-COVID, you know, I think the governor and lieutenant governor uh, were out there saying, you know, if we come out with a bigger number than what we came out with, it, you know, we're okay because we understand the need. I think there's some economics of, of bonding and there's, you know, a lot of negotiations that are going to have to happen now that are going to influence what that final amount is. But I think when back to your original point, 
the pandemic and, and and everything that is happening as a result only exacerbates the fact that we need more housing. We need more housing that's affordable to people who make the least. And arguably we need it and rental assistance, uh, homelessness prevention dollars kind of more than ever right now. And so it's a, and this is a package. And, and, and for the folks that, that build this stuff, you know, you can't just turn it on and off overnight. You know, the developers need some an advance notice they need to kind of know because it's a multi-year project to embark on building more housing or, or doing a major renovation and so anything that we can do to signal to the folks who actually do this work our private partners um, that 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 we're in this for the long haul is going to be the most helpful uh, to the folks that actually um, get these things built Well, yeah, and then um, can you talk a little bit about the, the public housing improvements? I believe there's $60 million in there um, in the governor's recommendation. Uh, what are some of the – can you touch a little bit on, on that side of the uh, equation? Yeah, I mean, when we have used those dollars in the past, you're really dealing with a public housing stock that was built quite some time ago. And, uh, you know, there's some basic health and safety stuff. Uh, that needs to happen to bring those things, you know, up to current need. I mean, you know, that was highlighted tragically when there was the the fire um, at the, the Cedar um, high-rise and, and people lost their lives. I mean, so it's everything from, uh, you know, sprinklers and fire alarms to new heating and plumbing to uh, just uh, managing, you know, basic kind of, you know, concrete around the building so that it's a safe place to walk. I, um, so this is some really basic health and safety stuff. And you know, the federal government really has turned its back on, on public housing. And, and even when there's been uh, some federal infusions, they're so small compared to really the backlog of, of what needs to do, be done to bring that stuff uh, into health and safety and, and energy efficiency, kind of bring it up to date. So $60 million is bigger than, than, than any amount that we've ever received before, uh, but it still is just kind of a down payment on what's needed over the long haul. And that's such a critical part of the state's housing infrastructure, and so it's important that we, that we not neglect it the way the feds have. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of the other highlights in your um, bonding request? Uh, I, I was just looking at the map. Um, you, you have dots and stars and things all over the state of the map of Minnesota and um, so it looks like this is truly these are investments that would be uh, truly truly statewide right there's not a single part of the state there's not a single person from anywhere in the state that I've talked to who says hey we've got enough housing we've got enough housing that's affordable don't worry about us mm-hmm. I um, you know the, the very last trip I was able to make before um, before we were sent home and, and told to not be on the road, was up to Senator Johnson's district, all the way up in the, the northwest corner of the state, up at Peace River Falls and, and Roseau, uh, where we talked with um, leadership at DigiKey uh, and uh, the, the, the mayor and housing director and Thief. And then the next day we went up to Polaris and talked to the, the mayor in Roseau there and, and Polaris. I mean, they're desperate for housing. I... Um, I was sad, you know, recently to read that that Polaris had to 
laid some folks off uh, because of the pandemic. And um, but they were, you know, they were growing jobs. They, you know, they were they were moving faster than they could build. And and housing is the biggest barrier that they had to being able to recruit people uh, to come up there. And what you know, in both Nijiki and, and Polaris, these good entry level jobs. It's a it's a good starting point for folks. Hmm. So. Um, you know, there's really isn't you know, Senator Weber, who's the, the policy chair um, for my committee uh, over in the Senate, is down in the southwest corner of the state. And you know, part of what we need to do too is we need to build the capacity of developers to to build housing and wants to build in those communities. You know, um, but it's you know signaling that we're going to make the investment, we're going to make the investment over the long run is is kind of what the role that we play in kind of getting that started. So. I'm hopeful that uh, that we'll have a good conversation um, as the legislature is kind of now trying to figure out what you know, how, to, how to keep its stride in this um, stay-at-home environment. Mm-hmm. But I'm hopeful that there's still room for a conversation about bonding bill. And you know, as we saw at the end of the last session when we got $60 million in housing infrastructure bonds, there's a huge majority on those votes. Um, uh, these are um, people get it. And uh, they know they need it in their district, and they know who it impacts, and, and they know who it's calling them. So, mm. so I think that there's there's a lot of room yet to be able to come out with a with a big result here. Yeah, and I'm hearing just heard today actually that the uh, uh, capital investment committee chairs in both the Senate and the House are certainly um, having conversations about this. It might not be making the news much these days, but from what I hear, they 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 still intend to move forward with with something. We'll see what it looks like. But uh, uh, what's your sense from what you're hearing in the in the legislature from your from your friends there? Um, do you get a, a sense that things are happening sort of behind the scenes now? Yeah, I think so. And I think the, you know, these bonding bills are built differently than other, um, than other appropriation bills are built. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're still kind of uh, having a hard time uh, getting the rental assistance, homelessness prevention dollars uh, that the governor asked for uh, related to just what's happened to people's incomes with COVID, mm-hmm. I think on the on the bonding side, it, it probably really is more about making sure that we can agree to what the total number is going to be and do that in the context of, uh, you know, a, a worsening uh, budget forecast because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, um, but, you know, that's, that's leadership's job is mm-hmm. to figure, you know, narrow in on that and then, We'll get to um, the details of, of what part of it should be housing. You, you know, I think that um, I think it was Representative Winkler early on in one of the forums was talking about how the governor had 200 million of a two billion dollar um, total bond request that was housing infrastructure bonds, and, and you know, 10% of that he thought that seemed like about the right amount. I, um, it doesn't account for the additional $60 million on the, on the public housing piece. But yeah, so I just think there's a, there's a lot of agreement. I think there's just going to be some wrangling right now over the top-line number, and then, you know, the bonding bill gets put together so that it can get the votes that it needs, and housing infrastructure bonds are very popular. Great. Well, from what I hear from folks in the construction industry, they uh, – they stand ready to uh, to move forward on some of these projects, or just to 
to do their part to make it happen. And, and so uh, I guess we'll see what happens here in the coming weeks. I um, you know, I think the the, the thing that's, that you, know, you learn so much when you're you know uh, leading an agency during a period like this. But you know, the CDC has has guidance for how you do social distancing on a construction site, and um, you know that there are ways uh, there are ways to do that. Uh, it means you don't have your morning stand up meeting. You know, it means you don't all gather at lunchtime. I think uh, some of the iconic images of construction in American art. But there are ways to do this, and I, I think that um, the other thing that we know is that is that housing construction oftentimes is a leading indicator. It's a path out of a recession uh, because housing plays into economies in so many ways. And so I'm just really hopeful that uh, we won't lose steam. And I think the, you know, the other thing that's really important to know is that Minnesota housing is still open for business. I haven't been in the office. This is my fifth week. Um, I went home. Uh, Tuesday, uh, what did I been? The 17th, I stayed home, and I, I've been home ever since. But but my whole operation is still running from home. I got um, and you know we just uh, put out uh, our our big request for proposal that we just hope to tuck the housing infrastructure bonds into when we make selections. And, um, you know, everybody is doing stuff remotely. So we're open for business. We know that housing is still a big need. Uh, uh, construction is still allowed out there. And so uh, we'll just work our way through this most unusual special session, as it were, uh, as we learn how to work in a different environment. But, um, um, you know, the need hasn't changed. And if, if anything else, the need's gotten worse. Well, great. Well, uh, well, thanks again for your time, Commissioner. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh Covered a lot of territory there. Yeah, well, I appreciate uh, your having the capacity to ask a question that goes beyond what we're dealing with right here, right now. And uh, I hope that that you and, and everybody in this audience is, is staying safe and staying home. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Likewise, you as well. And uh, thank you again for your time and uh, take care. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce, or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.